This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. Broadcasting from our flagship studios in Tampa Bay via... Williamstown, Kentucky, the site of the one and only Ark Encounter. As Martha and I are deep within the bowels of the Ark Encounter, we are on the bow side, deck three. Oh, no, we're on the bow. That's that's the rear, right? The bow. No, the bow's the front. Deck three, the port side. <laughs> we didn't spend a hundred years building this. No, we so did you not. Get a little no, we did not. Okay, but we are in Williamstown, Kentucky. We are so thrilled that you tuned into I Work for Him this afternoon. However, you're hearing this show, just know that we have prayed for you, that something we say today will cause you to dig deeper into your faith and to connecting what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine to five. And let me tell you why we are at the Ark Encounter. You know, in almost every civilization across this earth, there's a common story about a great flood that destroyed all but a select few. This is the story of Noah, and the Ark is widely accepted as truth. There is so much evidence of this truth, yet many scientists, quote-unquote, say that this is a very inconvenient truth. Because if the story of the flood is true, then that means that God is real. And if God is real, then there's right and wrong. And if we go back down that bunny hole to find out that as long as we deny any existence of God, you will find people who embrace that idea so that they can live guilt-free lives. If you ignore God, then you can live guilt-free. But... In order to ignore the story of the flood and how much real scientific evidence, then you have to really ignore a ton of scientific evidence. That's why we want to go on, on location to the Ark Encounter. We want you guys to get involved in this incredible ministry because the story of Noah and the Ark is a story of a great, uh, oh, all of a sudden I lost my words. It is, it's a redemption story. It's a salvation story. It, it, is, it is how God provided a, a rescue mission. That's what I was looking for. The rescue mission for all of us. And Noah is a precursor of Christ providing that rescue mission. I just can't wait for you to hear this whole story today. But here's who we've got in with us. Martha and I have been here walking around with her folks. Again, Ted and Elaine Haynes are the ones who inspired this trip. Say, hey, let's go. We got to go do this. And you should broadcast from there. But we have the big dog. Not, not, <laughs> not the Noah. Biggest, not the biggest dog. Noah wasn't able to come today. And Ken Ham was busy as well. But we've got Patrick Kanuski. Patrick is the director of training and education from the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. And Patrick has given us the absolute red carpet treatment all over the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. We've been behind the scenes in places we can't even talk about today to see inc- this incredible Ark Encounter. Patrick Kanuski, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, Jim. Good to see see you. good to see your family here it's been uh, it's been an awesome couple of days hasn't it it is it is staggering it, it just how really really cool and i can't wait for our audience to see some of the pictures that we'll post on facebook and we're broadcasting just so you know hey martha tell people what your mom's doing well we're facebook live mom's doing facebook live and so we're hoping that people unfortunately because we're not we're radio we have to stay stationary so right now we're not out there seeing things but i have been posting pictures and some video and things like that and we'll do some more and it's loud but, out there but we truly just want to tease people really that's what it's all about is teasing people and saying you need to get here for yourself because we have learned so much today and I've been so amazed by the quality 
and the um, the creativity and the authenticity that is that we've seen all day long. Stuff that we've never, even in the flannel graphs in Sunday school, <laughs> they never talked about the feeding systems, the getting rid of the waste systems. They never talked about the water collection methods and, and just how the animals were brought in. I mean, Patrick, the stuff, the details that you guys have addressed here in the Ark Encounter exhibit, it, it's exhibit. You can't, it's like a small, well, it, it's bigger than a small it's city. It's the real deal. It, it is, is huge. I mean, it, it, it life size. Uh, okay, so why don't we just start from the beginning? How did you get to be involved? You're you're a retired colonel from the United States Marine Corps. How did you get involved in the Ark Encounter? Well, we have homeschooled our kids from the get go, and we came up to Kentucky to the Creation Museum back in 2013, and they had a presentation up there while we were going through the going through the museum. It was a, a presentation down at Legacy Hall about the Ark Encounter and the bond initiative for the Ark Encounter because they needed to raise money so they could start building. Sure. This is in 2013. They didn't break ground until 2014, the summer. So we got – we were part of that whole lash up, and we started talking to Mike Zovath. He's one of the co-founders, and he said, hey, you're a retired military guy. How about, uh, you know, we, maybe we could hire some veterans here in the future. Why don't you give me your resume? So I stayed in touch with Mike, didn't really think anything about it after that, came up for the groundbreaking ceremony, which was really cool. Very cool. And then seeing uh, the videos of that whole, the whole construction process, it process, unbelievable. It, it totally unbelievable. And, and just to bounce off of what you guys said initially about the pictures and the videos that you're taking and all that, it doesn't do it justice. Mm -hmm. You really have to see it because when you come around the bend, in the bus and that this thing opens up in front of you it's just it's yes. a wow moment you said that yesterday mm -hmm. and of course i was a little skeptical mm -hmm. but you were right coming around that corner on the bus and you're and you're and you're seeing it for the very first time you're like that's a lot of boat it's or ship boat. and or i boat. facebook live that boat. this morning when we started walking mm -hmm. up and you guys were all ahead of me because i i, I just wanted to try to give people that example of what it might it feels like and again we're just teasing everybody they got to come mm. see for themselves well let me get back to the story yes. about okay uh, you know hooking up with mike zovath he was very gracious he did take the resume i was uh, retired for a few years at the time and owned a home renovation business down in tampa and it was going very well uh, we weren't thinking about moving or anything but i texted mike on the 6th of january 2016 i'll never forget the date mm -hmm. i texted mike and i said hey you're opening the arc this year I hope it goes well for you. And he called me up a half hour later, and he said, I think you need to get up here, bro. We need some help with getting the interior finished. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get a crew together and build the interior walls for the exhibits and get the exhibits installed and, and the rest is history. Well, okay, but it's, a, it's one thing to come up and do your trade. It's another thing to move your entire family up here, <laughs> your wife and your kids, and, and to – relocate to Kentucky you've never in any of the times you were within the Marine Corps you weren't stationed in Kentucky were you no there's no beaches here <laughs> yeah <laughs> there are some. just in case okay there are no beaches that that's true there are no there's no amphibious operations going on in Kentucky <laughs> they never did them in the river or something no, okay no, okay sir. so the Ohio River wasn't one they didn't practice in the Ohio no, okay sir. that was a that was a big step of faith I mean that was I mean and I'd love that we could spend a whole show on you living out your faith in the Marine Corps, but how hard was it for you and Barbara to just say, honey, I think we're being called to go be part of the Ark Encounter. Well, that's that's what happens when you're evenly yoked and you have a godly wife and godly kids. They they get it. 
And they, we weren't so detached between Kentucky and Florida that we didn't see each other a lot. I was either going down or they were coming up. They volunteered, as a matter of fact, during the construction. They volunteered with some other members from our church to help build the chandeliers and to do some other construction projects. So we weren't totally detached that whole time. But we wanted to have our senior in high school graduate down there, and that was her wish. So, you know, sometimes you make sacrifices. You know, I know we're not going to get through half of what I would love to cover today, but I think it's incredible, as you've described this, the largest, well, just this wood structure. Mm -hmm. You said it's the largest? The largest timber frame structure in the world. Now, it's not, we don't know if it's the largest wooden structure in the world. We think not based on our research, but definitely the largest timber frame structure in the world. And when you say timber, I mean, people, there are four foot or five foot diameter, they're probably six foot diameter logs that are in the central structure. In fact, if you look trees. at Facebook, they're trees. They're yes, trees, they trees. From, from Utah or Utah, depending on where you're from. <laughs> I mean, these trees are the central support of the ship, yeah, of the right. boat, of the ark, whatever you want to call it, the ark. And then huge 20 by 20 beams that are going across. Is that what 20 by 20 columns, columns down on the first two decks. They're about 30 feet tall, 30 feet long. Each deck, uh, it, it's really hard to describe. It is hard to describe. It's very hard to describe. There's 62 trees in the center of the ark, and it's open all the way up, so it's kind of like a chimney all the way up. Not, mm -hmm. not that you want to have a fire, but a chimney for air circulation. <laughs> you couldn't you have a fire. You have more fire suppression <laughs> equipment in this place. Yeah, there's a lot of fire suppression equipment. Uh, we had a little bit more code to, uh, to adhere to than Noah did. Yeah, that, that was Martha asked a question right on the <laughs> Right before we came on the air, could this thing have ever been completed? Maybe it was you, Elaine, that said it. That could this have been actually completed if OSHA had been involved? Oh, that's true. <laughs> or the, we, e or we the even, EPA. Well, the EPA was involved. No, but could Noah have done it? That's that's exactly right. We even have fire suppression on the outside of the ark. Wait, you uh, got a, it's got a lot of wood on the outside. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are on location in Williamstown, Kentucky, on the bow Deck three, port side of the Ark Encounter, Noah's Ark. No, I asked this question yesterday of Patrick Kanuski. Patrick, could it float? And you, you looked at me funny like that. Was, I've been asked that question a million times. Jim, just please, you're annoying me. But we got here, and what's really important to understand is that the <laughs> so Ark is actually... So ask it again, No, right? the, it's important to understand the Ark is built all of wood, but it's surrounded by cement because that's where the toilets are, and that's where the, the emergency exits are, and it's built on a foundation of cement because otherwise it wouldn't be able to stay here. It would just float down the hills in it's, Kentucky. It's a building that looks like a boat. Yeah, but it's got holes in it. That's how they get supports on the outside, so... Those probably weren't that necessary, but those holes would definitely compromise the uh, uh, the ability for it to float. What I'm hope? just saying, bro. It doesn't float. Okay, all right. Okay. Just move on, float. right? It's like I think people get it. Okay, so but I will why okay, is, but let me just say this what, though. Wait, wait, wait. As much as as you have to go past that, it is so incredibly real. I just can't get over telling people that because it's not. You know, it's not this little pretend thing. It's a real. And it's real. Tell people it's that real. we're on Facebook Live. Tell people we're on Facebook Live. I think they know that if they're. Oh, I see. For the radio people yes. to hear because I thought yes. the vid okay. video. Now, now talking about real, it's re it's true to the dimensions that are in the Bible. What we used, and there's several different cubit measurements depending mm -hmm. on if it was a Hebrew Egyptian king, uh, for elbow to the tip of the finger, uh, on the hand different different cubit measurements we use the hebrew long cubit which is 20.4 inches okay. 
Okay. So if you multiply 20.4 inches times the 300 cubits in the Bible, you get 510 feet long, you get 84 feet wide, and you get 51 feet tall. So the dimensions are true, and there's been a lot of engineering studies done on these dimensions, and they're perfect for stability, weight ratio, weight distribution, and and ride. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're perfect dimensions. God had the dimensions down. Well, <laughs> imagine that. But that's important because I always wondered, why is it such an odd shape? But it wasn't that they mm-hmm. were cruising. It wasn't that they were trying to break you know, time records. They weren't really planning on going anywhere. They, they were, were floating. floating. Yes. And, exactly right. And they, they were, were going to be dealing with rough waters, exploding waters coming from all over the place. That's correct. And that's why the dimensions were so key. I mean, this was, and and really, is it a triple keel? It's a a triple keel, Okay. which uh, based on, we had a a ancient shipbuilding design expert that was part of the design team, and he said that it would have been a triple keel. It would have looked like it does. On the bow, if you've seen pictures of the Ark Radio Land, if you've seen pictures, there's a sail, what I call a sail on the front of the Ark. Was that what, what we stood in front of after lunch? Yes. Okay, so I took a picture of that and posted it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly right. That protrusion up on Mm -hmm. the top of the arc at the bow is what I call a sail. And what that did is it, as the wind was blowing, that sail would take the wind and it would right the ship, so it would go with the wind, and thus with the waves, so it would be a smoother ride. So God had this down, and uh, he. Noah either was or wasn't a a ship design guy, but he was by the end of the time. Yeah, by the end of 100 years. He was pretty good at it. He was pretty good at it. All right, we're talking with Patrick Kanuski. He is the director of training and education right here for the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. We're on location in the Ark right now, broadcasting in the Ark, Williamstown, Kentucky. Check it out online at arkencounter.com, arkencounter.com, arkencounter.com. You really need to get scheduled. You need to get up here. I bet this place looks amazing in the snow. Yes. All two inches that you get. (laughs) (laughs) We do get a couple of small snowfalls uh, we have in the last couple years, and it really does look look great i've taken several pictures of it with snow on the ground people walking to the restaurant walking to the zoo and uh it, it really does look neat let's talk about why this is here because there is a very there, there is a gospel-centric reason the ark encounter is here why is it so important that the ark encounter was built this is not a story it's the biblical account of noah and the ark and the flood that's what we portray here and through the exhibits here and we let we let the exhibits speak for themselves we don't have uh, docents that go around and try to explain things because the exhibits are really self-explanatory and through these exhibits you're explained things about the ark and the flood and you're also told the gospel the gospel is proclaimed here on the ark um, that's that's one of the reasons for answers in Genesis. The main reason for answers in Genesis to be in existence is to proclaim the gospel. And we're not the church. We, we never say that we're the church, but we aid the church through these two attractions, mm-hmm. the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. And uh, that's, that's the main reason why we're here. Well, you're not the Four Walls Church. You're the four boat church. No, you're, the, you're not the four walls church, but you're part of the body of Christ. I mean, this is this is this is the body of Christ in action, and you're getting people to come see a huge boat, an ark, and gets them to ask questions. Because really, just as we talked about creation yesterday, we're talking about the flood. 
the flood, everything in history hinges on the flood. If you look at why scientists say our Earth is all billions of years old and it took, you know, forever to build the Grand Canyon. I mean, if if you take away the flood out of all of that, all of that stuff backs up their whole decision that, yeah, things are billions of years old. But if you put the flood in there, everything makes a lot more sense. And that's why this is so key. Not only was it a rescue mission, God was really preserving the remnant, Noah and his wife, Joan. You called her somebody else, but I really think you should have called her Joan. Joan of Ark. Um, oh, oh yeah. I know. Right? That's my deal. That's right. And the three kids and their there. wives, I did have to get that in there. But this is, it's important for people to, I mean, we heard it right before the show. You guys present the gospel clearly here. Because this was all about a rescue mission, and it was really a precursor, a, a demonstration of, hey, what Christ was going to come and do a couple thousand years later. How fun is it to be part of something that moving, that important? It's awesome. It, you know, I go around and I talk to guests all day long. That's what I do here. I do it at the Creation Museum, and I say, hey, what do you guys think of this place? And to, to almost uh, uh, everyone, every individual, they say, this is awesome. That's the word they use, awesome, all the mm -hmm. time. It, but you just really can't experience it through pictures and video and all that. You can read about it, but until you come here and you feel it, you touch it, you smell it, I mean, you can smell the wood in here. You, mm -hmm. you mentioned that earlier yes. today. You yes. can actually We're in your smell office. It. We can smell the wood. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just it's incredible. It's lined it's with this stuff. It's just an awesome place. And to think that, and, and people will say, this is big enough to house all the kinds of animals that there would have been on the earth at the time. Well, how many kinds of animals were there? Well, we figure through scientific study and fossil evidence and writings and all that, around 1,400 kinds of animals, which equates to somewhere between six and 7,000 animals. Let's talk about the distinction of kinds, because that's a real big key. It said, God said in the scriptures, hey, get two, get one, two of every kind of animal, male mm -hmm. and female, and seven of every kind of clean animal. Mm -hmm. Kinds are not species. Mm -hmm. Kinds are, I mean, explain that. What does that really well, mean? Well, you probably remember this, Jim, and I'm not going to ask you to repeat it, but during biology class, you learned about kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, right? Sure. You yeah, that, right? I do remember. You can repeat that. Can no, you? I could not. No. <laughs> Well, never mind. He'll go with the element no, table, maybe. But <laughs> roughly equivalent to a family right. is a kind. So if you look, think about that kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, a kind is roughly equivalent to a, a family. And so God didn't have to have one of every kind of animal. He just had a, two of every kind of, and, and then it, it created all those other species. Right. All, the, all the DNA was already there. Didn't, have, didn't need every size, didn't need every, every animal. The Ark Encounter right here in Williamstown, Kentucky. You have got to come and see this. It is, you, the pictures cannot tell the story. You've got it. Yeah, I mean, you're living it live with us right as we are within the belly of the Ark right now as we're broadcasting. In fact, we're in the bow of the ship on deck three on the port side. But there is no, like, inside jacuzzi or anything like that. There's no swimming pools with water slides, and there's no windows. What's the deal? All right. We're talking with Patrick Kanuski. He is the director of training and education for the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, and an all-around really nice guy. They have treated us so nicely here, Martha, haven't they? 
Yes, they have. And, you know, I just have to shout out to Trent, the chef. We met him and we had a buffet lunch today. That was just great. And so we have met How about a lot. Tom the Electrician? And Tom the Electrician. Oh, and then we man. met a designer. I can't remember Patrick. his name. Patrick. 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 That's right. Patrick the designer. So Patrick it's, Marsh. It's been awesome fun guy. to see some of the, the people that are, you know, feet on the ground making this thing happen. And, and by the way, I know Ken Ham probably doesn't want us to mention this, but your buffet over here at the Ark Encounter? It is phenomenal. You got better food here than over at the Creation Museum. Whoa. Oh, well, I wasn't allowed to say that. Was no, it? that's awesome. Ken loves to hear that kind of stuff. The food, the buffet today. So well, let's just well, talk about the restaurant. You guys found out after you built it that it was like the largest restaurant in the country? No. It, okay. Seating capacity is 1,500 people. And as near as we could tell, okay. it's the largest seating capacity restaurant in the United States. As near as we can tell. And it's a buffet. I love that. And, and they serve well, Pepsi products. So I knew you were going to bring it Mountain up. Mountain Dew, Dew on yeah. tap. You know and this place is off the cookies. charts. It was okay, we got to talk about the All right, Okay, yes. so some things that people want to Oh, yeah, they don't want to know about our lunch. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> but the food was off the charts. Okay. We were talking about the importance of the Ark Encounter. Really, as, as part of, we live in a country. Even the churches, the churches don't talk about Noah and the Ark. It's, Wait a second. We had a little wooden boat, and it had two pieces to a roof that you took off in Sunday school, and it was empty inside. That was, was that was Noah's Ark. That's what well, we had. Well, the flannel graphs, you know, they, they, they didn't. Okay. This is important because as Christ followers, this is part of the story. This is part of the truth that sets up the whole of history that we live in, Patrick. Talk to our audience. we got a lot of people joining us after the bottom of the half hour. Talk to our audience about why it is so important that they come and experience the Ark Encounter. Well, one of our exhibits is called Fairy Tale Ark. And after you've been through the Ark about halfway through, you've, you've seen what pre-flood, the pre-flood mm-hmm. society looked like. Uh, everything was great at creation. Fall of man, you know, sin entered in, fall of man, and things just got really bad. And the earth was destroyed except for eight people and the animals, uh, you go through the ark a little bit after that, and you see how the animals might have been fed, how they were kept, uh, what did the family do uh, to take care of them, and then you get to an exhibit called Fairy Tale Ark. And the Fairy Tale Ark, you go in there, and you kind of see that, okay, this is what we're telling our kids. It is a plastic boat that floats in the tub with a couple giraffes sticking out the top. That's not what happened. It was gut-wrenching for the family i'm sure to be on this ark they've left everything behind every person every person behind they took god brought the animals for them uh put them on the ark and then when they had no idea how long they were going to be on the ark it turned out it was about a year Uh, the floods uh flood water stayed for about 150 days they receded for about 150 days and then the earth had to dry out a bit before they could actually walk on it the earth is wrecked the only nice things they have are the stuff that they brought on the ark. Mm-hmm. And then you see that the, it's not a fairy tale. It's a biblical account of what actually happened when the earth was destroyed by a flood. Yeah, and you mentioned right before the break that there's 1,400 kinds of animals. So probably six or 7,000 animals were on the boat. And you guys, um, one of the things you mentioned is that I said, well, okay, well, how do they fit a giraffe in here? I mean, if you have, if they have multiple levels, they have all the space. I mean, how did they get him? How did they get a full-size elephant and a giraffe in here? Well, what they would have done, we we postulate. We did a lot of scientific postulate is a big word. Yeah. Made guesses. We we had a lot of yes, educated of guesses, educated guesses, mm-hmm. and very plausible things that that right. we came up with. They would have brought on 
God would have brought God brought the animals. Right. Noah didn't have to collect the animals. Right. God said he would bring them, and he did. They came two by two. They probably would have been adolescent animals, smaller, able to reproduce when they got off the ark. Because you don't want to have a big, old animal because it may not have fit too well. God was thinking about a lot of good stuff here. May not have fit too well and may not have been able to reproduce when it got off the ark. Yeah, mating, very important for reproduction. You know, and I, I mean, even, even just think about that. If they're adolescents, too, then you're not having a whole lot of reproduction while they're on the ark. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, to be able to facilitate a whole lot of multiplying mm-hmm. bunnies, you know, and things like Well, I'm like sure. That. Well, we know rabbits <laughs> multiply fast. They probably were multiplying some rabbits on here. Probably. But I well, had never chickens. thought about <laughs> Patrick that Patrick Chagan said we're moving you know, on from that, reproduction. That is just a brilliant... Um, you know, postulation that right. you, you hypothesis. Up, hypothesis. Very you know, good. What that, we try to do is answer questions before you had the question. Yeah. Like, what about fresh air? What about fresh water? How long did they really think they were going to be on the ark? Did they bring foodstuffs enough for, for how long? We, we don't really know. But we tried to put some thought into that and answer your questions before you had them. And those displays are amazing. That mm-hmm. kind of describe the whole fresh water coming in, the whole how the air could maybe be vented through the ark. Mm-hmm. Things that we you may have never thought of, but it helps it become more plausible just as far as, mm-hmm. okay, now I can wrap my head around this a little bit more. Well, uh, it, it's an engineering marvel. The ark was an mm-hmm. engineering marvel. Just how they got rid... Well, because I was talking about, imagine what this place smelled like. But they had, they had more than likely uh, had used the wave action to, f- to circulate the ventilation and to use the wave action to also get rid of all of the waste. Waste is a good That's way to put that. Yes, and sir. I love the way you guys just thought through how they stored grain and, and the fact that they had eight people to feed six or 7,000 animals. They had to have systems to get this stuff done. Water systems, getting the water from the, the roof of the ark down and into, I mean, it's incredible. It was a big undertaking. Noah, uh, he probably didn't know what he was getting himself into. <laughs> God Isn't did. that always true when God says, go do this? But God did. God, I mean, imagine, I mean, Jim, you're a pretty smart guy, right? I would say I'm okay. Okay. Now, and, and look how old you are. Just think <laughs> if you were 10 times as old as you are right I would be now, a lot smarter because I'd probably know a lot be a stuff. lot smarter if you still had your faculties, which I'm sure you would. So Noah was pretty smart. In addition to being, you know, blessed by God and, and given all the plans and everything supernaturally. So, yes, probably the funnest thing I've had is fun. The funnest thing I've experienced so far today. I mean, I've learned a lot of really great stuff. I want to talk about the Ice Age, but was the animatronic Noah that you got to ask <laughs> questions. That was I mean, it was Disney like, but he was answering real questions. Oh, that's a good question. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how long have you been married? And, and uh, I mean, that was <laughs> I loved it. Well, we just about just a little over 500 years we've been married, and my wife looks just as good now as she did 400 years ago. And I mean, I mean just the kinds great. of it was, it was really good stuff. Yeah. So, talk about it. Took you guys a couple of years to build this art, the Ark Encounter. People can find out more about it online at arkencounter.com. Arkencounter.com. Patrick, how long do you guys think it took Noah to build the Ark? Uh, we think somewhere between 50 to 75 years, something like that. Okay, so he built it. We don't really know where he built the ark, but where the ark was, he didn't build it on the sea. I mean, he didn't, he didn't build it on a shipping port, probably, right? Do we know? Well, again, scientific thought, he probably would have built it where the materials, the raw materials were. Yeah, where all the trees were. Near a forest. 
All right. So where did all the water come from that caused the entire earth to be flooded, even above the highest mountain? Because we know the highest mountain today is five, is seven miles. We don't know how high they were back then. But how, where did all the water come from? Well, the Bible says it came from rain, and it came, the, the waters came from the depths. So they rose up from the depths, and it came down from, from rain, from the sky. Well, a lot like we have today, we've got a lot of underground water. But how did it get from underground to above ground? It, God did it. God made it happen. Well, I was reading the Ice Age thing. Okay, I was baiting yeah. you. You're supposed to know everything about the entire thing right here. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You've got to remember, he's the director, he's of, the director training of training and, and edu- education. Right, training and education. So they talked about all the volcanic activity that would have superheated, well, would have exploded. I mean, that the original thought is that we had one continent and that after the flood we had seven continents mm-hmm. and that the explosive action of volcanoes and earthquakes uh, caused the separation of all that stuff, but then allowed all of that underground water to explode upward in. I mean, that's... So the oceans would have been superheated. Yeah. And then the continents would have been colder. So you would have had a lot of snow action based on that, those facts, Hmm. which created an ice age after the flood. Right, because all that stuff was up in the atmosphere. right away, obviously, but... Some, some years after that. But when you look at even when we've had um, super volcano, volcanic years where it, just one volcano can make an impact and, and cause areas to be cooler, you're talking all of this activity going up in it that the ice age followed the flood. And that's where a lot of the extinct animals came from. How cool is this, Martha? It's very cool. So we've been touring yesterday the Creation Museum with my mom and dad, and today the Ark Encounter. And we, I, I, there are so many things I just want to talk about. You know how you always tell people, you got to come, you got to do this. I think I should say, don't come, you know, because then they'll want to come. Like, I want to keep this my little secret. No, I'm just no, kidding. No, we want. I'm just kidding. I want everybody to plan their family vacation to come here and make it a priority. And there's so much they can do in the area. They can get some rest and relaxation, spend some time here, and go zip lining. If it weren't raining today, my mom and I were going to go zip lining. Oh, that I would have liked so, to see. So I'm just saying. I don't I don't doubt your mom would have gone zip lining. I'm I, thinking I would. It's easy to say I'm when you know it's time would. to no, 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 no. There's that's other a, things, That's a good though. segue. Let me tell you well, about okay. a couple other things And that's Patrick Kanuski talking. He is the Director of Training and Education right here for the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, a couple things. That, uh, just a, a plug. Yes. If you don't think this place has been visited, we had over a million people in our first year. Amazing. We opened in July of 16. Uh, we celebrated our one-year anniversary, July 17, just a couple months mm-hmm. ago. We had over a million people here in the first year. Wow. So if you don't think it's visited, it's oh, just my word, yeah. tremendously... And it's it's increased. The numbers have increased since the one-year anniversary based on what we had last year. So sure. it's just going to increase all over the world. People are coming here from all over the world. There's a ton we, of people here today, and it's a yeah. crummy post-Irma day. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, you you started saying about the zip lines. Yep. We have three and a half miles of zip line here. So if you want to spend some time, it takes a few hours to go through if you do all the zip lines. It's really cool. Uh, there's a ropes course also. Next time we come up, we'll do the show live while we're ziplining. While across. we're ziplining. Okay, you're yes. on. I think you're that on. would be awesome. Okay, make sure you wear your shoes. Yeah. I'll have to get a GoPro. <laughs> 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 All right, so yeah. talk about the craftsmanship of this place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. There's more wood here. Well, you said 3.5 million board feet. 3.3 million board feet is what we estimate. Wow. But uh, the outside was incredibly difficult. You had to bring in some experts to get this to look perfect. Right. 
the the out, let me tell you about the wood on the outside. It's special wood. It's called radiata pine. It's from New Zealand. I don't know if it grows anywhere else, but mm. it's a very clear pine, and it's a, it's a harder pine than we have here in the United States. And what they did with this radiata pine is they put it through a process called acetylation, where they took all the sugars out of the wood, and we have a 50-year guarantee on this wood on the outside. And they they used stainless steel screws to screw it into the outside, and it it's not it's not uh, finished in any way. It doesn't have a stain on it or a, a sealer or anything like that. It's just plain old mm. wood. But all the sugars have been taken out, so it's it's. It's good to go for 50 years. Yeah, see, in Florida, we would just call this ARC a termite collector. <laughs> I mean, this would be the world's largest termite collector ever. We haven't had any problem with bugs. We really haven't. That is I mean, this, fabulous. The Douglas or fir dust. On, I mean, this place is incredible inside. Clean. The, I'll tell you what. The housekeeping crew does an incredible job on this. The Most of the rough cut wood that's on the inside and the trees is Douglas fir from Utah, milled in Colorado. Uh, all of the trimmer framing and the railings and the ramps that you see, the two, the large ramp outside and the one you walk up on to go into the first deck mm-hmm. was, was constructed by the Amish. Okay. Uh, we had a, a large Amish crew here from the time we started setting the wood in the summer of 15, uh, usually about 75 Amish here on a daily basis doing the, the timber frame construction. Wow. Largest timber frame uh Largest timber frame construction uh, project in the world. Unbelievable. Now, did they have the, the Amish people, did they have DeWalt uh, stereos? Uh, okay, probably not. Okay, so here's a question. A lot of people are... He's baiting me. I was baiting. No, I was just, no, I forget they just it's had Amish music on It's all the he thinks of in his mm. head. I do. Okay, that yeah. probably shouldn't come out. They, I, the craftsmanship is incredible. I mean, it, it, you can tell the Amish were involved. Like that ramp that we walked up this morning, mm. I, I've walked up ramps before. That ramp was meticulous, and it was a ramp, a green-treated ramp going up into the, into the ark. Okay, people want to know, talk to me about some of the facts that are really important, because this is really a story of redemption. Noah was a story of redemption. It was a rescue story, and, and you guys present the gospel constantly throughout this place, just really the truth of the scriptures. We've got a lot of problems with race relations here in this country. That's what they call them, race relation issues. And yet, when you track it all back, Noah and his family, they were the eight people that repopulated the earth 45, 4,300 years ago. How many years ago did they say it was? About, Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah about 4,300 exactly. years Okay, mm-hmm. so in 4,300 years, how do we get all the colors, all the different shades of brown? How did it all work? Uh, just uh, through the different combinations of people mating. It's just like uh, uh, dogs or any, any other kind of kind of animal. As they mate and, and populate, things look different. They just do. Yeah. So our ancestors, we all are descendants of those eight people that were on the ark. Yes, and I think that that's a brilliant thing for people to be exposed to and think about because we are so segregated in our head, whether we want to be or not. And I think that anybody who's heard Ken Ham speak um, has heard him probably talk about the big A, little a big B, little B concept of how you get the different species and the same thing being true for our skin tone, you know, that we're all the same color. We're just different tones of that. Different pigments of that color. Exactly. And, and, um, 
that to me was is revolutionary to help me understand that. And I took a picture of that because I want to go back to that. You know, the, you have plaques all over the place that have such wonderful visuals on how to learn and to absorb the information. And so a lot of people are taking pictures going, I'll read this later, when, you know, try to go back to it and, and remember. And that's what the books do as there, well. There is a lot of reading. Uh, I would say that if you read every single word that is in the exhibits as you're coming through, uh, plan on spending four or five hours oh, here. Yeah. You oh, know, if, easily. If you, if you take in the zoo, read all the everything there is to read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that discounts the the zip lines and maybe right. some of the animal rides and stuff like and that. And eating and eating, but that's a good four or five hours. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's what I love about the fact is that you also then point out that after the flood, the the Tower of Babel thing came afterwards, and because there was one language after Noah and, and the flood. And the Tower of Babel is what spread us out over all the continents. That's right. And and created a lot of those races. Talk about the entrance exit door, the main door the to main the main door. Because that's uh, a pretty cool feature you have here. It really is. The the big ramp that comes up the side that you can see on the outside is not used. It, it's a little dangerous because it's it's a the first step is kind of far down. But <laughs> so we don't use the ramp. But that goes to the door and a metaphor the door is a metaphor for the entrance, the way Mm-hmm. that the family came in, uh, it's the way to Christ as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we really play that up, and Ken does a lot of his meet and greets and Facebook Lives and things like that from those doors because it's so compelling. It's such a great story right there, and there's a nice uh, lit cross that's on those doors on the inside, and it's just uh, it's, it's a great really, photo stop for people. It's and, a photo stop. Everybody takes their yes, picture at the door. Yes. And Ken just wrote a new children's book about the door. Yes, he did. And that's a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a great thing for um, people trying to explain the gospel message, again, using the ark. Okay. So we've exper- experienced floor number one, mm-hmm. floor number two, deck number one, deck number two, and deck number three. Mm-hmm. Yet there's a deck four. <laughs> And there's going to be cool stuff on Deck Force. Well, we th- this is the this is what we tell people. We tell the guests that uh, there is a plan for Deck Four, and we don't know when it's going to be in place yet. Mm. And so that's all we know. And you, so you're still raising money for it as well, for well, Deck Four. Well, we're we're kind of raising money for lots of things. We're well, yeah. Talk about some of those neat things well, you got coming up here. We, we're going to expand the zoo. So the zoo right now is is a great zoo. We have. Uh, Llama, alpaca, emu, ostrich, uh, kangaroos. We have several different uh, new joeys that are in our kangaroos. Just really cute. Uh, So several different sizes of joeys, if you will. Uh, You can take a camel ride, a donkey ride. Uh, We have... um, Yeah, miniature donkey. You got miniature cows. mm -hmm. And they ride the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They ride our... They right, ride our cargo elevator to get expand, into that too. Expansion so things. we have live animals on the ark during the day, and they go back and they sleep in the zoo at night. But they do come on. So we have Tibetan yaks, uh, twenty-three different goats right now, and we just got a whole bunch of new animals, some scorpions, and you got some other building like plans that. too. Right, uh, there is a building plan beyond where you are dropped off on the bus when you come over from the main parking lot. There's going to be a 2,500-seat theater. There's going to be a Noah's uh, Walt City, someplace that Noah might have lived in mm. uh, when he was building the ark. We have a plan eventually for a Tower of Babel. 
under construction. Uh-huh. Lots of different ideas for building for years and years and years to come. Well, I think it's important that the designer, Patrick, that we met earlier today, um, was a designer at Universal. Right, Patrick Marsh. Yeah, I mean, that was really cool. Influential guy in the design of the museum and the Ark Encounter. Really quick, 15 seconds. What's your favorite part of the Ark Encounter? (laughs) The people that come here. Absolutely. They are just all wonderful people, and everybody has great things to say about the place. Patrick Kanuski with the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. Thanks so much for everything you've done for us the last couple of days. Let me say hi to my uh, buds back in Brandon, Florida. Yeah. Calvary Chapel, Brandon. Excellent. Cool. Martha, this has been awesome. We, we really could have spent a week up here. Oh, my goodness, yes. People, got ch- you got to check this out online, arkencounter.com and answersingenesis.org. You've got to get here. You've got to get here. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host? Oh, yeah. I Work, I work For, for him. him. 